Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Some time ago, somebody suggested to a young boy in Brazil that he was about the right size and shape to make a, a jockey. Well, what happened next is one of the most extraordinary tales of achievement, but it was achievement with a few bumps along the way. Uh, the headline is that he became champion jockey three times in the United Kingdom in 2015, 2017 and 2018 and there were some epic battles in other years as well. For the first time, and I've been trying to secure him for this seat for about two years, but I finally got him. Um, I warmly welcome Sylvester D'Souza. Sylvester, great to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. It has been a, a pretty amazing journey, hasn't it, in your, in your 39 years? Absolutely, yeah, and you know, it has been amazing. It's been amazing career to me, like, you know, and from day one, to be honest, you know, I started from the bottom and got to the top, and, and you know, it's, it's just achievement, you know, you can't buy it, you have to make it, you know. It's twists and turns along the way. Before we go back, Let's try and assess where you are now as a, as, as a rider and as a man and as a, an ambassador for the sport. Well, it's, uh, I'm returning by King Power, you know. It's, uh, it's my second year on the job and things are going really well. And got a group one in my fourth year last year, you know, don't want the triumph on Champions Day, you know. And, you know, it's just, it's great, you know. And, uh, you know, I've been with Godolphin and, you know, and, is but now it's like a more settled and uh, settling that way, like you know, and you know I've been jumping three times in the UK, and uh, you know I'm focusing on big rides and big days, and uh, you know, and you know you just carry on life, and I want to carry on ride winners and good winners and big winners, you know. So you feel in a good place. You've got your three boys. You're married to Vicky. You live in Newmarket, but yeah. it's about it's about the big races now mainly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, and obviously like you. You know, I'm concentrating my job and with King Power, and uh, you know, I think I've done them all. Like you know, and I won the richest race in Hong Kong. I won the Dubai World Cup, and sometimes people forget about that, you know. But uh, I won, you know, the Jugmon International in the UK, you know, and the Champion Stake, you know, and it's, you know, it's been great, been a great career. Like you know, it's not like I ride a Group One win every month, but uh, you know, when I have a chance and. You know, when the horses go, there a chance, and uh, we always deliver. And you know, it's been good. You know, we've been making, I've been making the most of, of my career anyway. So you know, I'm delighted, and I feel I ride as good as ever. So you know, and um, happy married man and live in Newmarket. <laughs> you know. So you're a family man, but that's not surprising because you're one of ten. Yeah, I'm one of ten. And like you, you're the youngest of ten. No, I'm the I'm the third last and the, the third last. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, but I've been brought up on a farm, and you know, always have horses around, and my dad have horses, and uh, you know, and so you know, from day one, you know, I've been riding horses. Were they race horses? Yeah, the quarter horses. We started as quarter horses, and uh, when I moved to São Paulo, and I got introduced to the race course, and that's, uh, I was 17 when the first time I sat on a thoroughbred. And that was just because somebody thought, well, he's, he's not that tall. He's not that tall and he got the shape and he, his physique looks strong and, you know, he potentially he looks like a jockey. He could be, he could be a jockey and he, maybe he could make it to the top, you know. Were there any other jockeys in your immediate family? Yes, and not in my family, not in my family, no. No, not at all. So you were the only one. I the only one. My dad is like a cowboy. He lives in the ranch and rides horses, and you know. So, 
my all my brothers know how to write, but uh, I'm the only one. And how about your mother? My mother, you know, she writes in, in the young days, and she had we have pictures at home. She sat on a horse, and you know, so now. And were you were you a close family growing up? We are very close. Yeah, we grown up. We are very close, and you know, we get on very well together, all of us. So you you started riding in in Brazil at at seventeen. How long was it before you rode in your first race? And I rolled uh, my first race. I was seventeen, and uh, you know, enjoyed the racing school as a seventeen. At the end of, you know, I was there for six months, and and just I was turning to eighteen, and I have my first ride. So that's that's pretty soon. It all happened very quickly. Yeah, talk. You know, was at the beginning of the year. The racing school get uh, apprentice in the beginning of the year, and. Uh, you know, and uh, we do all the courses we have to do, clean them up and ride them, ride track work. And so I was there for six months before I got my first ride the apprentice school. Like. And how did you feel? Did you feel good? Did you think you were good at it? Did you think you had a natural ability? <laughs> no. I felt I was pretty, you know, I, I didn't feel good at all. Like, I, th I thought I never going to make it. Because, you know, you're taking so long. We was 15 in a group and uh, everyone was having... You know, after three months, they was getting rides, and uh, they, my coach said, no, you're not ready, you're not ready, you're not ready. I said, Jesus, when are you going to be ready? Six months gone by now, and I'm here cleaning up horses and riding every morning, like 10 in the morning, gallop, and you still tell me I'm not, good, I'm not ready. You know, when are you going to be ready? He said, take your time. So I had my first ride, it was a disaster. <laughs> so he said, I told you you're not ready. So after a few more months, and another five, six months later, I rolled my first winner. So it took me a long time to ride my first winner. But you smile, but you are a pretty determined character. Was it, did you, was it because you ha were in such a big family that there was always that little bit of competition? You always had to just kind of fight for yeah, your... Yeah, you, you always have to fight for your corner, for your seat, you know, <laughs> for a big family. And, uh, but, like, it took me a long time, but I never, I never said I'm not going to make it. I never said I'm not going to do it, you know. I always say what i done wrong, what I need to improve, how I will improve. And uh, they showed me the role, how to improve and how to do things. And and even a couple of trainers in the beginning say, I don't think you're going to make it. You may have to have a look for another career. But, uh, you know, after I rolled my first win and things click, and, you know, I just that's ride the winners every day. And, uh, and I went up, turned to be okay, like, you know. <laughs> so, but in the beginning was tough, you know, in the beginning was tough. I think it's for every apprentice, you know, you just have to have the determination. And say I will do it, and working hard, and you get to the point you want. You know. Why did you leave Brazil? For a better opportunity, you know, and uh, to learn, and to see different things, and uh, first to move to Ireland mm. to work for Dummer Twelve. You know, was you know was great, and and at the time like you know, and oh, I'm gonna see something different. You know, and uh, I did really enjoy, and I learned a lot, and he taught me a lot. You know, life wise and and I see a lot how things get done in the yard and, you know, how to break in horses and, you know, from zero basically, you know, was a very good push for my career. Is that something you hadn't seen back home? This was completely new to you, really, what you were seeing at Dermot's? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, when we was going to Moigley Stud to, to break in like 75 babies every year, it's, uh, it's a big thing, like, you, you know, pick up from the field and bring bring to the stables and do things slowly with the horses and get them ready to sat on for the first time. It's, it's, it's different the way we do it in Europe, you know.
but you obviously wanted rides. You wanted to get on the race course, and you wanted to ride good horses. Yeah. How frustrated did you did you did you find that period? And I find everything was good for the time being. You know, when I was at Dermotel, and I was enjoyed work, and I was seeing things different. And but to came to a point, I'd say I want to ride. You know, I want to go back to ride. And uh, I asked him for the opportunity. Uh, never came. <laughs> no, obviously, in a big stable, and he he has Pat's bull, you know. Gotta have him now, but uh, you know, he had Pat Shanahan and he had other people around as well. So my opportunity never came a day. Till I moved to Dundee Nichols in England, and he said, "I will give you a chance, and I'll give nice horses to ride." And he has, you know, he did. You mentioned the the, the late and much missed Pat Smullen, and. Yeah. Um, I could just see in in that one second, as you said, that what what he must have meant to you as a as a mentor back in those days. He was an unbelievable man, like to be around, like you know, he's uh, was really professional, and you know, I was only stable jo- a stable lad when I was out there, but uh, he always come and talk and say hello, hi, and you know, make you feel welcome in the place. You know, must be you know, it's hard for everybody. We lost him, but uh, you know. Just imagine for his family as well, but uh, we all going to miss him, you know. And was it quite a special moment for you when you were able to compete against him, when you'd got to that point and he, he'd remembered you from when you were a stable lad at, at Dermot Wells? Yes, and, you know, as in, I think I went to Ireland once to ride for Dundee Nichols and a big handicap, and, you know, he was the first one to come and give me a hug and shake my hands, like, and say, oh, don't worry, we all going to look after you, you know, you're safe here, you, you know, with the same... You know, because I was a bit worried, and I asked him a couple of questions, you know. and uh, But, uh, hey, he's, you know, he, he makes you feel welcome, you know, in a place, wherever he's been. And even when he comes to England, and he always comes to my seat and say hi before I see him, you know. So, no, it's special. A wonderful man, and he'll be, he'll be much missed. Your, your relationship with Dandy Nichols was a... An equally special one in a in a slightly different way, because but for him, your career might not have uh, have taken you to the places it is it as it has. Just just tell me about him as a person and what it was like riding for him. Such such different characters. Yeah, he was uh, you know he was very happy man, like you know, and he was always in a boot, like you know happy and you know busy like himself, you know. And but if it wasn't by him, my career probably never would take off, you know. And uh, I met him in the corner and. He offered me a job, and uh, I didn't think twice. And I'd say, yeah, I'd like to go and see and have a look. And he said, come and, you know, have a look at my stable. And, you know, there's plenty of horses out there. I don't say I'm going to give, like, 10 rides a month, but I'll throw you throw you one at the end of the month, and i give you a leg up, you know. And when I give you a ride, it will be a good ride. I'd say, oh, fair enough, because he, I, I think I gallop a horse for him in the corner. That's mm-hmm. how I get to know him. And... Uh, has come and he was a great man to be around, always happy and always make a joke and, and to ride for him was very easy, you know, was kind of just go there, enjoy yourself and trying to ride me a winner. And you were competing with other apprentices in the yard for, for rides at the time, one of, one of whom became <laughs> Mrs. D'Souza. Yes, it was Victoria, uh, Victoria Behan and she was out there, she was, apprentice. she was the main apprentice for him. And plus we have Trotter, Adrian Nicholson mm. was his son, was the stable jockey. And, um, you know, and obviously I was there just to get a couple of spare rides and, you know, and uh, 
you know, end up <laughs> riding a couple of winners and, you know, and, you know, just into everything went strength by strength and, you know, and I start to ride for Mark Johnson, ride for the other trainings and around the country and get a few winners. You know. was, there, was there an obvious turning point for you when you were with Dandy? I mean, I know things started to happen and started yeah. to happen, but was, can you identify a moment where you thought, this is, this is working for me now? Well, and <laughs> I was very happy in the position I was, like, in getting a few rides and getting, you know, win every now and then. But, but it was come to a point and he'd said to me, I don't need you anymore in the yard. And I was very shocking, like, when he'd said that to me. And uh, I was asking him why he didn't want me anymore, like, and, and uh, basically he'd say, oh, no, I don't want you anymore, you know, basically I was getting sacked, you know, I didn't know why, but uh, he'd said to me, well, Sylvester, the place is too, getting too small for you, the owners want to use you, and I have trot as a stable jockey. I'd say, oh, fair enough, if it's that the point, fair enough. So he said, but, you know, you go up there and I think you can make it. And uh, I just went to be a freelance, you know, from day one. And I had Gary Oin and as an agent. Yeah. And I called him and said, I just think I'm being sacked, like, you know. And he, he went all over the place and he didn't know what to say. I'd say, ah, don't worry, you shop him for a few rides and I'm going to walk around. So I went to, you know, just be freelance. One day for Swim Bank and one day for Alan Brown, one day for somebody else. Alan Brown has given me a great leg up in my career as well. I rolled plenty of winners for him when I left the Dandy. And, uh, you know, we had a great year. Roger Fell as an owner, and today is a training. And, you know, I just went to be by freelance after I left Dandy. And, uh, so he essentially sacked you because you were too good. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but, uh, yeah. But, but because like you were becoming too popular and too I successful. I became too popular, and uh, the owners always want to use me. And, uh, Probably the cirque was too small. He had to use trot as a stable jockey. He was in the right place, you know, and, uh, you know, and uh, all the other people, he was getting rises from him as well, so, you know. Mark Johnston was a, was a big moment for you as well. Uh, he sort of taken a look and, and realised that you were riding in plenty of winners. There was an interesting moment, though, when you were riding for Mark Johnston, when he, when he sent you down to the Melbourne Cup to ride a horse called Fox Hunt. Yes. That came sixth or seventh, ran well. Yeah, it ran very well. And you were going for the title at the time. Yeah. And uh, You probably would have won the title if you hadn't gone to the Melbourne Cup, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably, probably not. But, you know, I thought myself, I thought it was a great opportunity and a title would come every year. But it's not every year you'd find a horse to go for Melbourne Cup. And I haven't found one since. You know, I'm a bit gutter, like, you know. <laughs> and probably was a bit too green in, the, you know, in that stage to go and ride in that race. And I wish uh, I have the experience I have now. And uh, but uh, you know, Mark has been a, a great man in my career. I couldn't do it without the support I had from him. What do you like about riding for him? Uh, simple. <laughs> and you know, he let me get on with the job. He tells me about the horse, and I kind of understand the way he trains very well, and probably the way I ride to ride suit his horses, I don't know. And I don't know, maybe it's just a blood connection, <laughs> you know, but he's very easy to ride. I think every jock in the country enjoys to ride for him. He leaves it down to the jock to do what is right, you know. Or sometimes we get wrong, but, uh, you know, he's very uncomplicated to ride. 
there's somebody made the point to me the other day that there's relatively few jockeys nowadays. You can pick them out in a race and know exactly who they are. Obviously, you can with Frankie, you can with Adam Kirby. I would say I can with you. I can always mm-hmm. spot you in a race because your style is quite distinctive. Is it a style that you've tried to cultivate or is it just what feels natural to you? Uh, I think it just feels natural. Like, and I, I don't try to cop anybody, you know. I try to adjust myself always, you know. And But... Uh, I think it's just come naturally. Everybody has different ways of bo- body language on, on a horse, you know. And, you know, sometimes, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Is I've always wondered, is it because of your training uh, and is it because of, of the way you were brought up, say, riding quarter horses, that you, you've got that forward positive style? You want to be going forward on a horse? And I like to let the horse find his action, his rhythm for the horse half for long and after trying to take him back. You know, and that's why I like to feel. I most of the time I, I ride in the field. I have the horse, you know, and I don't ride by the book. I see this horse got this price. This got this price. This no, I don't do that. I I ride with a feeling, you know. I let the horse come out, and I like to feel the horse breathing. I like to feel his momentum. So that's how I like to ride, you know. Mm-hmm. I I don't think he's like oh he's eleven to ten on he's unbeatable. No. And I am on a hundred to one. I don't think I cannot win the race because I ride feeling my horse. So I want to be in the right place in the right time. But at the same time, I like to feel my horse again to the moment to go forward. Do you ever study the form? I do. I do. I do. And uh, it's, it's very important, you know, when you're riding to know uh, who's around you. But at the same time, you have to feel your horse. You can't go like, I'm um, going to slow here. But the favor in front, I'm going, you know, or, or going too slow in front, or um, down the back, you know. You have to know who's around you, who to fall, who doesn't. But at the same time, you have to feel the horse, you know. It's a combination of things, you know. Who's been your, who's been your biggest influence amongst your amongst your peers, amongst your your fellow riders? Who's had the sort of biggest influence on your career? <laughs> well, I think friendless and you know, my wife as well. You know, and uh, you know, it's a lot of people. Like you know, it's a lot of people. And you know, I have. If I'm gonna mention the names, <laughs> it'll be a long list. You know, but uh, I think friendly, all the friends I have, and you know, all the people involved in my career, they're very special to me. You did become champion jockey, but not before a couple of pretty epic tussles with Richard Hughes and Paul Hannigan, particularly. When you were on the on the on the worst end of those uh, of those battles, did you did you did you ever get disheartened, or did it just strengthen your resolve? No, I never. And I was I was very disappointed uh, uh, when I went for my second title, when Jimmy won, and because I thought when Jim Crowley beat you yes, in two thousand sixteen, yes, yes, and I thought I that was I could have been that easy, you know, and. Uh, Obviously, Jimmy's a great jockey. Like he, you know, he proved he don't have to prove to anybody, you know. But uh, just myself, I was a bit down and I'd say, "Geez, I thought I could do," you know. Uh, but uh, I just said, "But next year I will do it," you know. I didn't want to be champion only once. You know, I, w- I wasn't to do more than once, you know. And but it has been great, and you know, even when I finished second for Hughes and Hannah, uh, and for Richard Hughes and for Paul Hannigan. And I fi- I was happy with the second, you know, because I thought I give my best, and mm-hmm. I I really 
find was a really battle and between was you know and I got beat by two great jockeys like you know and uh, I had plenty support they had plenty support and uh, now it was good but you, m you mentioned you were disappointed when you were beaten by Jim Crowley because you yeah. were the title holder and you'd lost your crown yeah did you feel that you weren't riding as well did you feel there was anything you'd done wrong no, I, <laughs> I d is a, no, I didn't feel that way. I felt I lost a bit of my support in the end, you know. Uh, that's how I felt. And all support, support from trainers from the, the trainers, public? Yeah, I f no, from the trainers probably, you know. And I felt like I wasn't getting the same rides I was getting when I won. Mm. That kind of way, you know. But, hey, you know, I still went to the end and, you know, and... I felt, I thought I could wonder, you know. <laughs> it's like when you finish second, you go there and write in a favor, you think, oh, this is a certain, and you go there and you finish second, and say, so, oh, what have I done wrong, you know? <laughs> but you, so. you perhaps more than anyone have experienced the, the sort of fickle way that, that the sport can operate. You know, yeah. you are flavor of the month one minute, and the next minute people have kind of forgotten you as, yeah. a, as, as, a, as a big league rider. Has that, ever, has that ever affected you? No, no, I never came to that moment. And you know when uh, <coughs> never never felt that moment. Felt like and I kept the same rides in a month for three months. Mm -hmm. I never swapped the rides. You know felt that way. You know and the other people keep changing the rides and go for the best one. You know and I kept the connection. Never expand to move on to the next level. You know you need to do that if you go for a title. You know you can't keep the same rides. You have to always ride the one finish second behind you because he's going to be the next winner. Tell me about your, your very brief relationship with, with Godolphin. Uh, it, it yielded some success. You won a champion stakes on, on Fab. Yeah. Why, why do you think it didn't work out? Um, well, I don't know. Um, I was there for three years. There was a lot of change. And, you know, the racing manager left, left Simon Christopher. And, uh, you know, maybe it's a change that they only want to do. and. The other managers coming in and they want new faces and you know I felt you know me and Said like you know we're still speaking and you know but uh, who knows they never told me why and uh, I never asked why but he still ever wanted to tell me why not. <laughs> Do you think uh, you know, we're watching this? This was a wonderful running of the Champion Stakes and you beat Sirius Desaigel and Ruler of the World and you were miles clear. Did you? Did you, do you just feel that's the best policy in life, not to try and question too much and just to get your head down and get on with it? Absolutely, yeah. I think you just have to get on with the day job, you know. I, w I wouldn't be the first man step stepping off the job, you know. You see so many times with the great jockeys like in Johnny Morton, he went to anyone in Group 1 and he still got stepping aside of his job, did it? Mm. And, uh, you know, Mick Nan, everybody gets, you know, is a lot of new faces in uh, in racing, like, and they always want news, is, you know, they always want, you know, new jockeys and, you know, they want to try harder than the others, like, you know, I never questioned why and they never told me why they want to have new jockeys. Said, I know, was happy to stay there, but I didn't want to stay there as a step, you know. Uh, I didn't want to stay there as a second or third jockey or just getting riders in the B tracks. I was want to do, you know, I want to do better than what I was doing, and I, I thought I was doing great, you know. And you obviously are spurred on to keep achieving, to keep doing better, to keep, to keep winning more big races. Um, 
We talked at the beginning of this interview about your, your ambitions for, for the immediate future, and you just said you want to be a... Is it that you want to be a, a permanent fixture in all those group races? If there's a group one, you're, you want your name in that group one, as a matter of course. Yes, absolutely. You know, that's, that's, that's what you want when you, when you are a jockey. Like, you know, you want to ride in the big races, and all big races. I love if I could get a ride in every big race, like, but it's not possible, is it? But, uh, you know... It just is a moment, like, you know, I don't think I have to prove anything for anybody, like, and even for myself, I don't have to prove anything because I did what I want to do, you know. I couldn't do what without the support I had, but, uh, you know, so, but that's what I want. I want to ride in big races. I want to, to be in every big meeting, and that's what I want to be. Do you think that because you won the three championships and because you were considered to be a numbers man, somebody who wanted to go to Catrick and ride six favourites, that it almost skews people's perception of you? They almost don't look at you as a as a big race rider. They look at you as a as a rider who wants who wants a lot a, a lot of winners. And could be, but uh, you know, but it's not like in not that they was in Sodo. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, I think you have to be hungry to ride winners, and I feel I'm still hungry to ride winners. Like, but you know, but I want to be in the big days as well. You know, and the, and the job with with King Power Racing um, was beset by by tragedy very early on because of the loss mm -hmm. of the of the founder, the chairman. Yeah. Um, how profoundly did that did that affect you? And I think affected the whole King Power Racing, you know, and is. Uh, because I only met the chairman, you know, week, week before he, you know, the helicopter crash, like, and I didn't know if things would, would go ahead and what's going to happen, and you know, was very, was a frustrating moment, you know, because I got approached to a job, and I would know if it would go ahead if the top was going to take over or, like, you know, it has been great, like he took over and. and you know his daddy's vision, like, and I think he's a he's great for racing, and uh, you know, because his dad was very passionate for racing, mm. you know, and as a racing and football, so and uh, I just didn't know, and I went to Hong Kong, and uh, after Alistair Alistair Donnan spoke to me and said, no, we go ahead, we're going to continue with racing, Kim Power Race is going to continue, and we want you back, so I was delighted. And just two days ago, you rode a, a, a group race three timer for three different trainers in those yeah. in those blue and white silks, and it's been a tale of, of fantastic success for you. I, you just touched on something there, and, and before we before we leave it, I, to what extent now can you not leave the UK? You've you've had a little d flirt with America. Yeah. You've had a couple of little flirtations with <laughs> with Hong Kong. Yes, but you seem to, and you'd be perfect for both countries. Yeah. But you seem to have this homing instinct now. That this is where you this is where you belong. Yeah, it's British race is great. You know, is uh, you need the support to move to them places. You know, I have a taste. I know how things work out there. You need the support and whatever way you go. But for me to move to America, I I thought I thought and I spoke to to Vic and I said I think you should move. And I went out there and I saw how things work. I think I would make out there if I move in permanent. But maybe it'll take one year or two or three, you know. But I thought I would make my leave, and but I felt he's home for me, you know. I find I got my postcode and I got my address, everything sorted, 
it's a big movement, you know. And as much I love Hong Kong race, and, and I had a great supporter there for every time I've been there, I rolled the winners and I rolled a couple of nice winners, you know. Uh, I love out there. Maybe the only place I think can probably move one day if things doesn't carry on with Kim Power and UK will be Hong Kong, you know. And I love the way the race and I like the atmosphere, the big crowds and the big days. It's different expression, and you know who's under pressure. You know who's who's riding cool. You know, it's you know I, I've been around, so I know how things work. <laughs> so, but it's great. You know, it's great. It's great for Jock to see things different. You know, and I've been very lucky. I get the opportunity to do, to travel around and be in Dubai, and I've been in every big meeting. You know, so and around the world almost. You know. And is that ultimately the secret to Sylvester D'Souza's success? <laughs> what's in here? That ability to keep a cool head no matter what's going on around you? Yeah, that's why you just have to, you know, take as your day job, you know, what you're doing every day, you know. And, uh, you know, obviously when you put them colors on, you'd say, you're going to do it now, it's time to work, you know. But at the same time, you need to put your feet on the ground and say, okay, let's do things in the right way. So when somebody suggested to you in Sao Paulo that a jockey was a good idea, <laughs> what would you say? What would you say to them now? Uh, well, um, they once said, uh, you know, it was a good idea. You turned to be a jockey, and I give a hug. But they once told me I wasn't going to make. <laughs> say, look at me now, <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, it just has been amazing through from day one. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai.